0: welcome all of our campuses to a brand new series that we are so excited I also want to welcome that is joining us for this series Calvary Chapel in Bay St. Louis and every week I love to welcome the men and women at the Orleans Justice Center and the St. Tammany Parish Jail come on can we just welcome those that are joining us so excited to have you guys with us on this journey We are beginning a six-week journey called If Only, and I am so excited, particularly those of you that are guests with us. I know over the next six weeks, we will have lots and lots of guests, Uh, and so we are honored to have you with us. We've been actually preparing for you. Uh, We've been doing a lot of intentional things around here, not only in the messages and our services, uh, just with our dream team. There's people at Blue Shirts at all of our campuses, how can I help you? Uh, We really want to help you to to make this a good experience for you. I'm real fired up about this, particularly uh, our topic. Uh, I want to talk to you about how to deal with regrets. You know, it's interesting when you think about the whole concept of regret. I'm going to unpack a lot of this over the next six weeks. Two primary questions. Number one, here it is. Here it is. How do we get past our past? See, in the beginning of the year 2020, actually every year in January, people start writing down goals, and, and there's expectations, and there's hopes, and there's dreams, and many of you write down your goals, which I think is important neurologically to write something down. You, root, you move towards it. God has designed us that way. What happens is we, 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 we go four, five, six weeks, and then there's often something that if, it's, if there's something in our past that's unresolved, a regret. Man, I wish that wouldn't happen happened last year. What ends up happening is our regret becomes an energy drain and it undermines our confidence to walk boldly into a new year. See, that's why it's so important for us to get, quote, past our past. In this series, we're going to be giving you practical biblical strategies, how you and I can get past our past. In other words, we don't have to be tethered to the mistakes and the decisions that we've made in our past. Number two. My second goal is how can we live intentionally in our lives to get to the end of our lives where we come to that moment and we can listen. By the way, it is a a panacea. It is a misnomer to suggest that we can come to the end of our lives and have no regrets, but I think we can reduce our regrets. The fact is, is that I think it would be God's will for all of our lives to run with intentional lives, to live with wisdom. We get to the end of our lives and in the Five categories that we're going to talk about. Hey, I want us to reduce our regrets. I I don't want to get to the end of my life where I feel like, man, I wish I would have done this. I wish I could have done this with my family. I wish professionally and personally. I wish my relationship with God. The fact is, is that I believe that we can live life differently. Now, I want to say this for all of our campuses. I'll say it one more time. This is a journey that we're going on. The next six to seven weeks, all right? It is a journey that consists of three components, and they all work together. Number one, the weekend services. Now, I've had some people say over the past, and every year we write a manual. I do a six-week series, different topics. I've had some people say, well, you know what? I'm going to go to the small group, so I don't have to go on the weekend service or vice versa. Every weekend, I'm going to be teaching on a topic. That week, you will be studying the same topic, but a different aspect. So for example, this week, so today I'm talking about regret, kind of giving us an overview. I'm going to be using scripture in my message today. This is important. I'll say this one time. This week during the small group, it's a different angle with the same topic. Does that make sense? So I don't want, so there's things on the weekend that you won't get in the small group and there's things in the small group you won't get on the weekend. So everyone say weekend service. Now we've got a wonderful opportunity, and for those of you, uh, we have Saturday night at five o'clock, nine thirty on Sunday, and we also have eleven thirty as well. Number two, small groups. Taste and see that small groups are good. My hope and my prayer is your pastor, even for those of you that are guests, we'll have twelve thousand people in small groups. My prayer is that you would taste and see that small groups are good, that you would give it a shot. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been to a group. Well, you know, I don't know where to go. We're here to help you. You Go online. After all the services in the commons area, there's tables, there's people that will help you find a group that fits for you. Number three, and I'll say this last time, the daily devotional. This is a devotional of all my material. Our team has placed it together. And, And here's how it works. Tomorrow morning, Tomorrow morning, January 13th, yes. uh, Seven to eight minutes. So here it is. Weekend, I teach on a message. That week during small group, we study a different aspect of that same message. And then you're doing readings, seven readings on that message. And I just wanna encourage you, again, if you don't have $10, don't worry about it. Take one, take two, take whatever. We want everybody to have a book so that we can go on this journey together. Here's what I'll say. I say it every year. You only get out of something what you what? Say it what you put so don't say, oh, man, I didn't really get much. Yeah, but you came one time. Are y'all with me? I know things happen, but listen, let's be consistent. Church on the weekends, small groups, and, of course, our devotionals. Now, the topic of regret, Pastor, where did it come from? Well, I chose it last year. Every year during this time, I'll start praying about the next year. And I was just in prayer. And I thought to myself, I thought, you know, what are, what are some things in my life that have been stumbling blocks. Often stumbling blocks are in front of us, but sometimes there's stumbling blocks behind us. And what I mean by that is kind of like a bungee cord. Y'all, y'all know what a bungee cord is? You start running towards a goal only to be pulled back. What is that thing that does that? It's regret. I've had regrets in my life. I had a bunch of regrets as a teenager all the way into college. I mean, I did some things. I said some things I shouldn't have said. I, I had some actions. I made some poor decisions And then I came to Christ when I was 19. I was a freshman in college. I thought, man, I'm I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. I'm I'm forgiven of all of my sins. The problem is I'm not perfect. And as a Christ follower the last 30 years, I've made some mistakes. And I've had had some regrets. And in my life, the mental and emotional energy of going back. And and listen, y'all ever done this before? Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Well, I've could have, I could have done this better. I, I should have done this. By the way, regrets are not just attached to past poor decisions, but it's also decisions that you didn't make. The opportunities that came before you, but you didn't take advantage of them. And I can think in my life the, as a follower of Jesus where I thought, man, I should have done that. Man, it was an opportunity. I, I, I really blew that. And, and, and there's, there were some, some regrets. Hence, if only if only I would have done this, then this would have happened or not happened. So maybe you're here today at all of our campuses or joining us online as well. And maybe you have come because you got a flyer in the mail or somebody messaged you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. You had a neighbor that invited you because you have some unresolved things in your past like I did. I am so grateful that you're, because here's what I believe. I believe that God provides us solutions in his word. Watch us where we can get past our past. That you don't have to be hampered and shackled by the regrets of your past. Let me give you a definition just to start, all right, about regret. This is going to be a fun message, all right? We're going to go all over the place. You guys are going to have a lot of fun. Regret. Let me give you a, a definition, a sense of loss. What is regret? It's a sense of loss. You lost something. And disappointment, we all have those, related to past decisions and actions, the American Psychological Association builds out the definition as this an emotional response. Regret has a deep emotional component to it. In other words, you feel regret. An emotional response to remembering a past state, a condition, an experience that one wishes had been. Different. Regret often leads to blaming ourselves, blaming others. We blame life. We we internalize our regret. I'm gonna talk about that at the end of the message. I'm gonna give you three common responses that we all have to to regret. Again, what is regret? It's 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 a it's a powerful emotion that we feel often attempt to attached to loss related to a passport decision. But it's also it's also the decisions that we didn't make. It's the opportunities that we squandered. It's the, it's, it's the things that came across our path. It's like, man, I wish I would have done that. So we get we get in, 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 in ensconced. We get stuck in that deep emotion of regret. Now, I do want to add this. Oftentimes, regret, now I want to say this that regret can be a positive. I don't think that we should make a mistake so that we have regret to turn it into a positive. But I will say this, often when you get deeply impacted by a past poor decision, it can be kind of an internal register that says this, wow, that was a poor choice. Man, there were some consequences attached to that. I don't want to do that again. Let, let me give you an example. And by the way, during this series, I'm going to share some different things uh, uh, of my life that, 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 that I think are applicable and appropriate to the different topics, some of which I've never shared before. For example, number one, when I was in high school, I know you don't major in high school, but I did major. I majored in fun and football. What that means is I I, I forgot the reason why you actually go to school, which is to do what? Do school study, right? I mean, I just forgot. I didn't realize that was part of the equation. So what happened was, is when things didn't work out the way I thought and anticipated in some of the other tracks, well, I had an opportunity. I had an opportunity to go to Tulane University. The problem was, is that I forgot about my schoolwork for many, many years prior to that moment. Do y'all know where I'm going with this? And I remember when when it dawned on me, I thought, my gosh, my grades and my past performance, the decisions that I made, and it wasn't because I didn't have the ability, I didn't have the effort attached to my ability. And I remember when the reality hit me, wow, I have this wonderful opportunity to go to this great university, but, but I may not be able to take advantage of it because of past poor decisions. And I really felt that feeling, and emotionally, it really gripped me. Thank God there was an opportunity on a provisional basis to be able to go. And I had to make a 3.0 and higher to be able to get in on a, on a full status. And boy, I worked hard that semester. Matter of fact, every semester, I ended up getting a different scholarship every semester. I had to have a certain GPA to keep it. But what happened was I, hearken, I often thought about that moment. I thought about that feeling of not being able to get something that was a goal based, based upon a passport decision. And it marked me. And the fact is is that regret can be a catalyst. It can be a catalyst to make positive decisions in the future if you remember the pain of the regret in the past. Wow, I treated that relationship poorly. I don't want to do that again. I, I will assure you throughout college that, that pain was so intense that, that, that it marked me to the point that, 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 that it, kinda, it caused me to excel. And when I got at the end of college, I, I didn't have that problem. I could have gone anywhere. Why? Because of the regret. I turned it around, Watch this, and I used it as a catalyst for growth. My prayer for you guys is that that will be the same for you. So regret, regret, albeit very negative, in most scenarios, there can be a positive. It can be helpful if we, if we allow it to be reframed differently. See, maybe you didn't see 2019 as your best year because there's some disappointments. There's some decisions that you made. Now, I just want to say this. Listen, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. All of us make mistakes. And we have disappointments. We, have, we made decisions maybe that we're not proud of. So the issue is how do we move into a new year with confidence, with faith, with hope, with expectancy, unless we get resolution to this past year. Matter of fact, I read something this week, and you'd think that you would think that Billy Graham, Billy Graham, who's such an incredible man of God. I mean, wow, he died a couple years ago, and I read something because, you know, when I when I put messages together, I pull from all these different things, and, and and I thought about I thought about his life, and I thought about I wonder if Billy Graham regrets anything. Somebody so close to God, this colossal leader, somebody that preached the gospel to all these millions and millions of people. And, and it was interesting, I, I, I read something in the last 10 years of his life, he began to reflect upon often how people begin to reflect as they get to different seasons of life. And he began to talk about different regrets that he had, one of which was very pronounced when, when, when after he met with Harry Truman, he had, a, he had access to all these different presidents. It was really supernatural. But, but Harry Truman, President Truman, he, he knelt down in the lawn afterwards, and some of you may remember this picture, and, and, and in a sense, what he felt his, his interpretation was, he took advantage of that position, he, 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 he promoted that picture all throughout the world, and in essence says, look at me, look what I did, and it really hindered. matter of fact, Harry Truman never met with him again after that moment. The door was shut because he said he took advantage of something inappropriately to promote himself. He also said this, he says, uh, listen to this. He says, I wish I would have preached less and studied more. Wow. Those of you that maybe have born again in different meetings that he went to, I bet you're glad that he showed up and actually preached. But yet he had regrets. Here's another one. I wish I would have spent more time with my family. Here does he save in the world. And, and yet there are regrets. So, so, so the reality is all people feel a sense of regret, even somebody great like him. And I do want to say that it's important for us to resolve the regret. In other words, it's important for us to get past our past. Psychologists will tell us the energy drain, the emotional, the mental, the fabric of our mind, the fiber of our being, how, how it gets eaten away by unresolved issues and the underbelly of so many psychosomatic issues are attached to regret. I coulda, I shoulda, I woulda. So we've got to deal with this. Regret can prevent long-term, it has tremendous long-term negative effects on our well-being unless we deal with it. I was putting this message together this week and I thought to myself, what are some regrets that I have? Is there any regrets in my life? And again, I've worked diligently and hard biblically to be able to th- see things resolved. You know, the unique thing about me is, is that I get to prepare the messages before I preach them to you, which means I want to make sure that they're active and they're living out in my life. I mean, you know, I did a lot of repentance this week, but anyway, so <laughs> you know, but I thought about it. I thought about, is there areas of my life that I've regretted? I've never shared this before. I, I, I make fun of I make fun of what I studied in college. I tell you guys, I have a degree in rhetoric. I've never met anybody with a degree in rhetoric. Unless you're a waiter, a preacher, or an attorney. I, I don't know anybody that actually has a degree. And I make fun of it because it's so obscure. But the reality is I did a lot of writing in college. Matter of fact, my senior thesis was 63 pages and it was the Aristotelian logic and all this stuff and the ethos, the pathos, the logos. And what's interesting is, is that I, I, I felt like God had given me a gift to write, but I neglected it. When I got out of college, I wasn't really good technologically. I didn't have the skills. I mean, I would type kind of like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Remember back to high school. I didn't have, and I just, I just kind of, I just, I did not take advantage of that. And over the last 30 years, I, I've allowed that. Now there are things that I've written, and obviously my message, but and I've had opportunities at times, but but but, but I, I have neglected that. And I was thinking about it this week. If there's anything in my life that I regret, it's that I did not keep up with a skill and a gift that I believe that God has given me. But here's the key, it's not too late. And I want to just say this to all of our campuses, it's not too late. I don't care how old you are, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose, and God wants you to get past your past because you have a bright future. Come on, do y'all receive that? It doesn't matter how old you are, God has something for your future. I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect. matter of fact, I want all of us to say, say I'm not perfect. Matter of fact, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, You're not perfect either. Come on, just say that. Come on, look at your second choice and say, You're definitely not perfect. Come on now. Your second choice. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you're looking for the perfect church, please don't stay here. You'll mess it up. We're not perfect people, (laughs) we are on a journey. We're on a journey endeavoring to follow Jesus. And overcome the negative things that will hold us back to becoming all that God's created us to be. And I am so grateful that you here. Here's what my prayer is. My prayer is that you leave here differently than you came in. My prayer is in all the garbage, the junk, the unresolved things. I'm going to give you biblical strategies each each week. We're going to talk about five key areas. Here's what my prayer, though. My prayer is that whatever you brought in that may be holding you back, you leave it here. You leave it at the foot of the cross. And you leave out here filled with confidence that only God can give. See, I believe that Jesus is still in the business of changing people's lives. And he's also in the business of helping you reconcile and resolve things that would be holding you back. Now, I want to say this. If there's anybody in the Bible, if there's any character in the Bible that understood the negative aspects of regret and how regret can hold you back, it's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is somebody that I've studied a lot. I I, I love his ministry and how God has used him, and I I teach out of the Old Testament, I teach out of the New Testament, but when I get to the New Testament, I love Peter, and and I love Paul. And if there's anybody, listen, if there's anybody that that, that understood and grappled with the reality of how, how the shrapnel of poor past decisions can come back to haunt us, it's the Apostle Paul. I was having a conversation with a guy, actually, this year, and... And he was dealing with some issues of his past. He was really dealing with the negative consequences and the thoughts and, and of course, the enemy. How I many you know the enemy is just right there always to remind you of that? And I remember saying to him, we were having lunch together, and here's what I said to him. I said, listen, I, I know that you're having a, a tough time reconciling things in your past and getting over your past. And I was talking about the gospel and what Christ can do and he can give you a new start. And I just paused, and here's what I said to him. I said, do you realize who the Apostle Paul was before he was at the Apostle Paul? And he said, well, I mean, he was, um, I, I never really thought about it. And I said to him, I said, okay, the Apostle Paul murdered Christians prior to being a Christian. He goes, that's not true. He told me that. He goes, that's not true. That, there's no way. I said, no, he murdered a Christian, matter of fact. As a matter of fact, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, he was the maitre d'. He was the overseer. He invited everybody to the stoning of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. The, the Bible says a young man named Saul, he was there overseeing that whole pro- Read about it in Acts chapter 7. Stephen. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm named after Stephen. I hope that's not a prophetic thing. <laughs> By the way, you know who, do you know who the second Christian martyr was? Does anybody know? James, that's my middle name. Come on now. (laughs) That's getting close to home. Come on now. (laughs) Wow. But I told him, I said, if there's anybody, if there's anybody that understands the pain of passport decisions, it's Paul. And don't you think the devil was right there? See, we believe the Bible's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's all the Word of God. We believe it's inspired. Church of the King, we believe that. But we also believe that contextually, God utilizes the personality of the different authors and writers and their history attached to that. And when you understand their history, whoa, man. When you understand what they write in light of their history, man, that's powerful. You ever thought about Paul when he wrote in Philippians chapter 3, which, by the way, is the theme verse for this series. Here's the theme verse. Campuses, here it is, everybody. Here is our theme verse for the series: Philippians chapter three. When you understand that the great Saint Paul murdered Christians prior to him being a Christian, now you understand the the, the potency attached to this writing. Here's what he said, Philippians chapter three. In his own mind, I'm telling you, this this was not only anointed, but I, I believe it was somewhat cathartic in a sense. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I'm not where I wanna be. You guys have ever heard me say that before? I'm not where I wanna be, but I'm not where I would say it, where I used to be. That's Christian life, Christian growth. He said, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, everyone say one thing. Okay, here's how it's going to work, by the way, at the end of every small group lesson. At the end of every small group lesson, there is what's called one thing. Here's what we do. We focus your attention on what is the one thing that God, not two, not three, but what is the one thing that God is speaking to you about in this lesson that God, was, he's got his finger on, all right? Paul, Paul said it this way. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting. I mean, you know, Paul needed to forget some things. Forgetting those things which are, where are they? Come on, say it. You know how hard it is to drive forward when you're always looking in the rearview mirror? That's what happens to a lot of us. There's faith in our heart. There's expectancy in our heart. There's, there's a dream that God puts in our heart and we're, 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 we're driving, and we're, but, but, but we're always looking in the rearview mirror. God wants us to put our eyes forward. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward. Overcoming our regrets is twofold. Like I said, number one, it's getting past our past, but it's also living intentionally as we move towards our bright future so that when we get to the end of our lives, listen, I don't believe we can eliminate all regrets because we're not perfect, only Jesus was, but I believe we can reduce them as we reconcile our past and we move with faith intentionality towards our future. Paul the apostle, what a great man of God. So pastor, how do we wanna close this out? i want to give you guys three quick things, three quick things of how we should respond to regret. Matter of fact, Three ways of how we often respond to regret. Number one, we often, watch this, blame our regrets. Number two, shame our regrets. Or number three, we have the opportunity to name and reframe. Let me talk about blaming our regrets. What happens is something takes place in our life. We make a poor decision. We don't get on base. We strike out. We say the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing. And what so often happens as we blame somebody near us. It's like the guy that goes to work and he gets in a fight with this guy and he says, man, why are you acting this way? You're the fourth person in two days that I've gotten in a fight with. (laughs) Did y'all get it? Man, why are you acting this way? You're the fourth person in the last two days that I've been fighting with. Hold on, time out, time out. I know this is like, this is big revelation here, but maybe he should look within and what so often happens is, is we blame our past, we blame our spouse. Well, the reason why I'm like this is because of her, or him, or, or because of that, or because of this, or my boss. And what are we really doing? What we're doing is we're, recon, we're, we're trying to rationalize past poor performance, past poor decisions on somebody else. Because the sting of pain attached to our past decisions is too great to often look inward. But God will give us the grace. We can't blame our regrets. We've got to own them. Everyone say own. We've got to own our past poor decisions. We've got to own them. We don't need to stay there. But we can't move forward until we own them. There are decisions. There weren't somebody else? Well, they may be. No, 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 no. They may have exerted pressure and influence, but they couldn't make you do it. Jesus had something to say about this. Matthew chapter seven. Here's what Jesus says. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the, say it, the plank in your own eye. If we want to get past regrets in our lives, we've got to quit blaming other people. And we've got to own our past decisions. Number one, we often blame. But number two, here's the second thing that often happens with regret, is that we shame our regrets. What do I mean by that, Pastor? When we shame our regrets, it's it's a unique perspective in this sense is that we, 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 we not only blame others for our regrets, but, but, but we can digest our regrets and they become part of us. In other words, we internalize, don't miss this, this is not a good thing, but it so often happens with so many of us. We, we internalize our past poor decisions and now we have a hard time separating our past poor decisions from our identity and now we didn't make a mistake, but we see ourselves as a mistake. You see how that happens? In other words, we've made these poor decisions and we've allowed our past poor decisions to define us. Do you know that regret is the underbelly of shame? Shame is you're not worth anything, you're not any good, you'll never amount to anything. And what so often happens is it's because we made we made a mistake. And and, and 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 there's a big difference. And I want everybody to hear me. And I want all of those of you at all of the jails and prisons that hear me, this is important. You may have made a past mistake. A past mistake decision and a mistake that we made in the past is not the same as you are a mistake. You made a mistake is not you are a mistake. You are made in the image of God. You are valuable to God and you are created by God. There's a big difference. And if we internalize past poor decisions and we make them part of our identity, boy, it's hard to move forward. Man, it's so hard. To, so we shame our regrets. I'm sure we all wish that we can go in some time machine and go back and make different choices. I know that I would like to. I'm not proud of all the past decisions that I've made. But thank God for the gospel. Thank God for a new beginning. Thank God for the blood of Christ. Thank God all things become new. Thank God for that. I really don't know how people live without the gospel. I don't, I don't know. This is why Paul the apostle, think about his history. That's why there's such power attached to what he wrote in Romans chapter 8. Here's what he said. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank God for a new beginning. Are you with me? That I don't have to, and you don't have to be defined. Yes, there may be consequences to our past decisions, but that's not you, your identity. That's not who you are. You're a new man in God. You're a new woman in God. You're a new creation in Christ, born again by the Spirit of God, new beginning in Christ. So we often blame our regrets on others. We shame our regrets and we internalize them to the point that they become us or we have the opportunity to do something different. We have the opportunity. This is what this series is about. Man, I'm going to work hard the next six, seven weeks. Each message, I'm going to work hard. Our church is going to work diligently to help create an environment where, the, where, where, where we can live in number three. We can learn to name our regrets and then reframe that regret for our future. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I wrote this down today. To name our regret means that we look at it objectively. I want everybody to hear me at all of our campuses, all those that are joining us live. This is so important. To name our regret means that we look at it objectively. We evaluate it and we ask, what can we learn from this past poor decision? I'm not going to stay there, but what can I extract? What can I learn from it? It's an unfortunate, it was an unwise decision, but it happened. What can I learn from it? And where do I go from here? Back to Billy Graham. You know what Billy Graham did? He got to the end of his life. He's writing his memoirs. He's writing these different things. And here's what he said. Watch this. He said, I'm going to utilize my platform to allow myself in a moment of transparency to help others learn from my mistakes. You guys, many of you have taken Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey. Of course, he's got the National... You know TV uh, radio program and people go up to Nashville they ring the bell they 've gotten out of debt very, very powerful. a lot of people, a lot of people, even secular people, a lot of people listen because it's so practical, but it 's come out of when he was thirty years old. he went bankrupt, he was in real estate, he went bankrupt, and all the poor decisions that he says that he made, really, his whole life ministry or his whole life focus has become watch this it 's become helping to name up the different decisions that he made which were poor and then reframe it. What do I mean by reframing it? Here it is. Why don't we make the place of our past pain the place of our present ministry? In other words, why don't we take all of those past decisions that they're painful. Do you know some of the greatest marriage mentors are in our church? Those that have went through some, some, some Bobos in their past. They've learned from their past and they've now allowed their present to be a point of helping others in need. In other words, you can listen, Christ redeems us by his blood, but we can redeem our past in this sense that we can use all of our past pain for present and future good, not just in our life, but in the lives of others. Now, before we close, I've got a three-minute video, one of the most powerful things you've ever seen. I'm going to come back, literally, in four minutes to close. up, But I want you to see the power of transformation, how God can take a past and turn it around. Romans 8, 28 says this. Watch this. God is able to take all things. Everyone say, all things. My favorite scripture, God is able to take all things, all things, and work them together for good, for our good and His glory. Watch this, and I'll be
1: right back. I still have a hard time putting it in words what happened exactly. Regret, <laughs> a lot of regret. I lost my brother to alcohol. My grandparents and my mother passed. I lost custody of my son due to my drinking. I was completely lost. Um, and I just kept drinking on top of that feeling, which pushed me farther away. I couldn't look forward, I was stuck looking backwards. I couldn't forgive myself for a lot of things. And it was probably the darkest place I've ever been with the drinking. I just thought it was over. And this is it, this is is what it's gonna be like. This is what was supposed to happen. One morning, came into Church of the King, still pretty messed up from the night before. I remember walking in the door. I ran into uh, Harry, um, who was in production. And he was drinking coffee. Um, and I asked uh, him where the coffee was at. He knew instantly something was wrong with me. I realized that, that he was uh, looking for something. We swapped numbers. Uh, prayed with him afterwards, and that's what started our friendship. I ended up driving Jacob to the rehab facility in northern Alabama, uh, where he stayed for three months. He he got saved. He got water baptized. Well, I, I, I truly started forgiving myself. I was able to start looking forward, which opened up a whole new world for me that I was redeemed. Not having my son was was tearing me up. I didn't see him for like almost a year. After a year of sobriety, um, uh, the court awarded me uh, full custody. Um, And we just had our first Christmas together uh, in years. God has blessed me. In more ways than I can ever imagine. One of the hardest things for me to do, which ended up saving me, was was putting God first. You know, the small groups have been a big part of my recovery. I'm really grateful for God um, and where He put me that Sunday morning and. The friendship that he's given me through Harry and their relationships that have formed from these small groups. It's changed my life. It's given me hope.
0: What a powerful, powerful story. I'll close with this thought. You know, he mentioned a statement that I think is so important. What what does it mean? What does it mean to forgive yourself? Here's what it means in essence it means that you finally come to a moment where you can receive God's forgiveness. Where you finally open your heart and say, in some way, somehow, I don't feel it, but some way, I was valuable to Christ, that he came and he died for me and he loved me enough, even though I I don't feel I receive. And when you realize that Jesus Christ paid the price for you, that he cared for you that much and you receive his forgiveness, you're able to let go of your past. I want to just ask everybody to bow their heads. If you're in this place today, you do not know Christ. I'm going to take literally one minute and release everyone. You're not sure about your relationship with God. I promise you we're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything, but but simply where you are in just a moment, I'm going to ask if you need prayer just to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. See, here's the deal. Jesus, He saves The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, I I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Belonging to a church doesn't save you. Your husband or wife or an uncle, they don't save you. They can share Christ with you. But the Bible says very clearly, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. You've got to come to a moment where you recognize your need. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the gift of God, Romans 6, 23... The gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm literally gonna take just one moment. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you, at the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high so I can see it? Pastor, I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me and make me new. If that's you, one, two, three.